Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special Tuesday Week 16 edition of the Gridiron Geeks, our For the Win podcast about all things NFL. I am Charles Curtis here, as usual, with my partner, Stephen Ruiz. What's going on? Well, I, as I told Charles, I, I lost my fantasy championship, which is a bummer, but the playoffs are about to start, so I'm, I'm good. Yes, and we get to do a little fantasy football. Maybe we'll do that on, on a future podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll do fantasy football, how you deal with it in the playoffs, which is a lot of fun if you've never done it. But let's let's mourn for a second for Steven's fantasy team. And, and I finished in third place in a couple of, of leagues, which is, uh, you know, the best I can do. But, you know, like I've always said, if you're in the playoffs, it's all luck from there, or uh, at least it feels like it. Uh, and that's what I tell myself, really. <laughs> whatever helps you sleep exactly ah! anyway let's get right into it uh it is uh, about to be week 17 which is kind of cool that we're able to do this on a tuesday normally we podcast on mondays but because monday was christmas we were all uh drinking eggnog uh let's let's talk about this for a second this is a pretty easy question with a lot of hard answers uh who's making the playoffs next week steven oh, that's a tough question i think it's it's with the lions losing the Bengals I think the Falcons are I mean I want to say the Seahawks have a chance but I just don't trust that team even after they won last week I just they needed a lot of things to go against the Cowboys in order for that to happen so I'm still not trusting I still don't trust the Seahawks and they're gonna have to win and the Falcons have to lose in order for Seattle to get in at this point you have to ask which team would you rather see if you were an NFC playoff team? Would you rather see the Falcons or the Seahawks? I don't even know the answer to that question. <laughs> I think, well, it depends. Yeah, I'd probably end up wanting to see the Seahawks, it feels like, because they just are, are like a, a team hanging by a thread, it feels like. But then again, of course, then you get into the playoffs and you get into Seahawks magic in the playoffs and some, some you know, Russell Wilson are doing something. But yeah, I, I would uh, – I'm going to lean Falcons then. I just – I don't know. The Falcons just have always felt like a mirage to me the whole season. And sorry to our, our, our Falcons-loving coworkers. We have two of them, Luke and Andrew. But I just uh, – there's something about that team that just does not feel right to me, uh, uh, even though they've, they've found a, a bit of a rhythm lately. And the Panthers, I guess they can still get a bye. They still have an outside chance of getting a bye. But realistically, they really have nothing to play for. And I think they might be paying attention to the scoreboard and – Maybe if it doesn't look good, they'll start resting starters. So the Falcons, I feel like they should be able to win win this game. And they're at home, obviously. So I, I don't think Seattle has much of a chance. The fact that they won last week was surprising to me. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that gives them one more week to hold on to hope. Right. Well, and, and my thing is the Seahawks are playing the Cardinals. And if, if all the, you know, there's sort of rumblings that Bruce Arians might be, this might be his last game as the head coach. Um, so I kind of wonder if the Cardinals will show up in a big way, you know, play play for their coach. And, and that's just, you know, I, I don't know if that's a real storyline. I'm making it up in my head. But I'm trying to find reasons why the Seahawks might lose. But, of course, the Seahawks are also at home where they, you know, tend to tend to be better. So I'm like, I'm, I'm you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say I think the Falcons end up in, in, in the postseason as the, the wild card. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, what about over in, in the AFC, which where, where there's a little more complication? Who, who do you see going going in there? Uh, I think the Chargers might end up getting in. Now, I don't have it on me right now what exactly has to happen, but it's yeah. I'll break, yeah, I'll break it down quick. It's it's the Chargers have to win. 
Tennessee has to lose or tie, and Buffalo has to lose or tie. And then there's two other scenarios involving um, they win and uh, the, the other, you know, it's like Baltimore win or tie plus Tennessee loss or tie. Plus, and then you have, like, the Chargers tie, which I'm not even going to address because that's not happening. Um, but, yeah, so go on. So I think I think the Jaguars are gonna they're gonna want to bounce back. I think otherwise they would have they would have rested rested some starters this week. But after what they did on Sunday, just their defense just getting embarrassed by Jimmy G and the 49ers. I think they want to have a better taste in their mouth when they go into the playoffs. So I don't think they're just gonna like lay down for the Titans this this week, which could have been the case if they had won last week, but. Yeah, so I think the Titans, I, I don't think they're going to win that game. And the Bills, I just don't trust the Bills, even against the Dolphins. The Dolphins, they seem to just play, they seem to play well like every couple of weeks and just beat a team that you didn't expect them to beat. And I think that could happen next week, and I think the Chargers could take advantage. Very interesting, because I think the Ravens are in. I think they're they're absolutely in. Uh, uh, without uh, the Ravens are in. I think they're going to lock down the fifth seed. Right, right. So, so we're talking about the second wild card spot, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's a really interesting thing, right? Because then you have the Tennessee. So let's play it out, right? Okay. So the Titans are going to be playing uh, uh, at home against the Jaguars, and I'm with you. I think the Jaguars. Uh, that was a crazy embarrassment on Sunday. Uh, uh, what they did, what, you know, Jimmy G, man. Uh, we can talk about that later, but man, like seeing what he did to dismantle that defense was shocking. Um, so I say Tennessee loses that game. Um, which sets up then, right, the Chargers having to win over the Raiders. That's an easy game to win. Uh, Chargers at home. Raiders are kind of a putrid, stinky mess. Um, And then you've got Buffalo needing to loss or tie or Baltimore winning. And let's assume that Baltimore wins um, and that the Chargers win. So, right, so the Buffalo – and you're right. It's not a guarantee with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a lot of feistiness to them. Uh, so yeah, I, the Chargers making the playoffs. That's that does not seem out of the question, even though it's a sort of a three pronged thing has to happen. Yeah, it's crazy to think that the Bills might be the favorite out of those three, out of the Titans, Chargers, and, and uh, Bills to get into the playoffs. It's I mean, I don't think anyone would have thought that after that Nathan Peterman disaster. But, and think about that; that might may have cost them the postseason because if they win that game. I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor would have definitely won that game. But if they did, this might not even be a question right now. They could have already clinched. It's pretty nuts. And, and you look back at that, that's something. Put that in your notebook there. <laughs> so you could, you could totally write that next week if it happens. Um, uh, I think that's a great call. Uh, and, and what a disaster, especially for poor Bills fans who are about to probably lose Tyrod Taylor, too. Uh, you know, where, where do you go from here losing in such heartbreaking fashion, uh, and this is me assuming it, you know, uh, missing out on one game. Yeah, well, I think it's a pretty good assumption. You don't do that to a quarterback. You're, you're going to sign the next year. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and then you think that the Patriots probably end up with the, the top seed? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's an assumption. That's that's a good one. And the Steelers, uh, you know, again, they, they need the, the uh, Patriots to lose, but that's not going to happen. Um, any other scenarios that we have to cover? I mean, the Vikings need a, uh, to win to, to get their bye. So they're playing um, – sorry, I'm, like, looking at the list here. I totally lost them. But they are playing. We know that. Certainly playing. Ah, they're playing the Bears at 1 o'clock. So, uh, yeah, because I was looking at all the 425 games because that's when all the, the playoff teams are playing. But, yeah, the Vikings just need to win to clinch first-round bye. Yeah, and I think they'll take care of business. They've really only lost the 
good team, so I don't think that's I don't yeah I don't think that's gonna be an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've uh, covered most of it. Yeah, we need the 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 Saints need to also win uh, to clinch as, uh, the the South, uh, which is very much doable on the road against the Bucks. The Bucks have been playing better though. They've been playing better of late since. Jameis came back. Jameis is playing okay. He's still fumbling the ball too much. They gave the Panthers a scare. They gave the Falcons a scare. I'm not so sure that they have it wrapped up, but I'm still picking the Saints to come out of that with a win. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, and I was looking at some some folks, uh, uh, experts, um, power rankings, and I was like, wow, the Saints' fifth best team. Like that's that's pretty amazing uh, uh, this season. I don't know why. I just have this bias with the Saints that I can't get over. That, you know, like, do I really believe that they are the fifth best team in the NFL? And it turns out, like, yeah, they are. I think they might be the second best team in the NFL. Ooh. Save that discussion for later. <laughs> Here, are we going to do our five? T- ah, all right. We're going to save it for later. Fine. Um, let's go through something that I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to, which is um, let's do our quick take on fantasy awards. Because fantasy football, obviously, for most leagues, ended yesterday. Um, so who is your fantasy MVP this season, Steven? I think it has to be Todd Gurley, just yeah. because not only the production, which I think was enough to make him a fantasy MVP candidate on its own, but he also his draft stock sunk a little bit after that year with Jeff, that last year with Jeff Fisher. And I think if you were, I don't know, smart enough to see Sean McVay's Coach of the Year uh, performance coming, maybe you, you boosted Gurley up a little bit on your draft board. But I don't think a lot of people did. I think you. Could have gotten him at the end of the first round, maybe beginning of the second round this year, which adds to his value. Absolutely, I mean he's he's the he's the no doubter, and and frankly, I, I kind of wonder how many MVP votes, real MVP votes, he ends up with because he ended up with more than two thousand combined yards and nineteen touchdowns. So you kind of wonder, like you know, I was hyping Antonio Brown a few weeks ago. Do you think that there's an actual chance that he gets real MVP votes? I think he should. I think he is the MVP because Brady has not played well the last few weeks. And the Patriots are still winning. I think that kind of, you know, speaks to his value. We always just assumed, oh, if Brady's, when Brady falls off, his team is just going to implode. But Belichick has kind of kept them together while Brady hasn't played his best football. And Todd Gurley has only has started to play. I think this is his best football of the season recently. By the way, Todd Gurley went mid-round two in one of my leagues uh, and, and hovered around there, you know, sort of upwards of, of round two. Like, that's crazy value, uh, especially given, like, all the first-round busts that we can talk about um, uh, that didn't work out, like Odell Beckham. And, uh, um, you know, I think he obviously ended up you know, better than Michael Thomas, better than Jordy Nelson, better than J.H.I., uh, better than Brady. It's, it's an amazing season. I completely agree with you. He is, he is the fantasy MVP. The, the harder question, who is your fantasy LVP this season. Can we go back a year and retroactively name Jeff Fisher fantasy LVP? Yes. Big things. Okay. <laughs> yes. And seeing him pop up this week is like, hey, did pretty oh. well with that team. Like that just was like, ah, uh, so eye rolling. I, I don't even know how how he had the gall to do that. Like, just go back into hiding in Montana or wherever that one person saw that Whole Foods. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 you know, he incognito. He needs to, yeah, needs to go underground. We can talk about uh, uh, coaching a little bit later, but uh, just to see the fact that like he's interested in three teams, or is are there three teams potentially interested in him? It just like makes me want to bang my head against my desk repeatedly, and I just can't believe this keeps happening in the NFL um, with coaches like Jeff Fisher. 
Yeah, just don't do that to us. <laughs> Whatever those teams are, don't hire him. But anyway, my LVP is – at first I was going to go with Andrew Luck just because I drafted him, and that's kind of like personal to me. He, he never ended up playing. Right. But I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Yes. I mean, I think he's the obvious pick. To, he just didn't show up at all this season. Yeah, that was rough. I, I, I was I was hoping that, that you'd say somebody different so we could disagree, but Amari Cooper was a massive bust. And let me just I, – I ended up with him in two leagues, and I somehow did okay in one of them, one league. I missed the playoffs by a little bit in one, and, and in the other I completely flopped. But my mentality going into this year was like, okay, you got a, a second-year player, you know, top pick a couple of years ago – or three years ago, and he's coming into his third year with a quarterback he has good, you know, rapport with. And, you know, yeah, okay, he's got uh, uh, another receiver on the other end who is maybe more of a favorite target. But the, the sort of explosivity theory comes into here where you say maybe he'll, he'll bust out and maybe he'll, he'll end up and, and it turns out he actually just busted, uh, which, is, which is pretty crazy to me. Did you have any feeling at all that he would end up being this bad? No, but I did. I wasn't so high on Derek Carr. Maybe Derek Carr should be the LVP. Cause... Oh, maybe. Because that's a two, that's a th- three for one. That's he. If you drafted Derek Carr, he messed you up there. If you drafted Amari Cooper, he, his poor play messed you up there. I, although Cooper had a lot to do with that, but Carr certainly helped. And then Michael Crabtree, and even Jared Cook. There's a couple players that he, him not performing up to the money he's making now, kind of you know sunk a lot of uh, a lot of his supporting cast along with him in, in the fantasy realm. Yeah, and I, maybe I, he's the LVP. That's that's actually a good argument. I, I I'm going to throw out a couple more names for you because I I think we can consider Mike Evans. Mike Evans had mm-hmm. a kind of a bad season all around. Like, didn't I don't think he had a hundred yard game all season. Do, do I have that right? Yeah, I think you're right on that. that. And he was coming off his the best season of his career by far. He looked like he's about to emerge as maybe the best receiver in the league, but that just didn't happen. Yeah, well, actually, this is so. It's, he isn't the full-on LVP because he had 100-yard game. That was week uh, the last week of the season. It was last week against uh, Carolina. That was his first. He scored five touchdowns, which isn't terrible. Um, so he's not that bad. But he, you know, for a guy who had first-round upside, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who was a first-round pick, like I, you know, terrible. And then you throw in like Jordy Nelson. But I feel like that you can't give an LVP to a guy who was it, the effect was uh, based on on Aaron Rodgers getting injured. And the, I, the same excuse could be made for Evans with Fitz coming in and playing a couple uh, – what do you play, like a month? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would also throw in for Joe Mixon because I I fell for it. I completely, you know, saw the upside, saw the – you know, kind of drooled over the idea that he was going to be an all-around talent and that he could maybe overcome the Bengals taking a nosedive this year. And I was very, 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 very wrong. I bought in, I think, in three leagues um, in a keeper league, and I, I'm not keeping him for however much money uh, he's supposed to be kept for. He could win. He could win another one of these categories we have coming up. That's what we—that's what we call a tease in the business. Oh yes, a very good tease there, Stephen. So let's go on. Um, who is the rookie of the year for you? I think it has to be Kareem Hunt. Ah, is that the? I—I I, I don't know. Now nah, you're they, forgetting somebody. You're forgetting somebody very important. I probably am. Uh, who is it? Calvin Kamara is is my guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like Hunt has been. He's been doing it all season. I don't. Yeah, I think that's a hard one. Yeah. No, go ahead with Kareem. I, I, Kareem Hunt is the only other guy to consider here, and he's he's a, a, as good of a, of a candidate there. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's Kamara. I think they both had – Kamara was better in the second half. Hunt was obviously historically good in the first half. But Kamara helps you down the stretch in the playoffs, which is when you really need it. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's Kamara. Yeah, I, well, here – let's make it – the only argument against Hunt is that t- touchdown the streak from – what was it? It was like week four or week th- – yeah, I think it was week four through like week 12 or 13, and then he mm-hmm. kind of turned it up again. So – um, he's close. I think it's neck and neck. I think Alvin Kamara just because of what he did when they finally handed him the ball. I think it was after their bye, the Saints bye, that he started producing like crazy um, and became basically like the, the centerpiece weapon of, of that offense where he'd be catching, you know, five, six balls a game and then, you know, touchdowns all over the place. So um, I think you could make an argument for Kareem Hunt, but it's a, sort of a 1A, 1B situation where 1B is, is Hunt. And I think Deshaun Watson would have been in this conversation had he not got, gotten hurt. But 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, who you got for your overrated uh, – oh, no, we, we should do – let's do best waiver wire pickup of the year. Who you got? I have Kenyon Drake. I might be forgetting someone, but this is this is a guy that I picked up late in the year, and he helped me not only get into the playoffs but get to the final game. And he's just been – he was just consistent. Once he got finally got his chance, once they traded the Jai and they realized that Damian Williams wasn't the answer and they gave Drake those starting carries then, he showed why he was why people were so excited when a when a Jai got hurt or, or got traded. That was the, the, the first move was to get Kenyon Drake, but Williams got most of the carries. So it kinda took a couple of weeks for that to work itself out and then it finally did and he's been just consistently good. Ever since then. Yeah, I like to uh, to like uh, back up the fact that I, I I've had a really terrible season of picking against the spread in our <laughs> in our uh, uh, pickums every week, and uh, I I like to say like oh you know I can back it up with fantasy. One of the big misses I had this year with fantasy was was saying like don't even touch Kenyon Drake because he's behind Damian Williams and God knows what they're gonna do with that running game and, and the offensive line. It's terrible. And Kenny Drake just absolutely picked it up. So uh, I think there are a lot of, of teams in, in the playoffs who were like, yeah, love me some Kenyon Drake. Um, my pick was Chris Thompson. Before he got injured, I thought he was just unbelievably good. Like we kind of knew he was going to catch passes out of the backfield, but little did we know that he would be the, you know, touchdown producing weapon. I think next year I'm not touching him just because I think that with touchdowns, you know, they go up and down every year, and, and you know, uh, he kind of was way up this year, and goodness knows where Kirk Cousins is going to be next year. Uh, but I think if you had Chris Thompson for a while there until he got injured, he was he was the best of the best. Yeah, he was Alvin Kamara before Alvin Kamara finally got his chance. Exactly. Who's your overhyped sleeper of, of the year? I had some trouble picking this one. I, the one that jumps out of my mind is Kenny Galladay. Just because he had that big preseason, yeah. kind of excited about him, excited about the Lions' offense. Then he had that big Week One game, and that only increased the hype. And then you really got nothing from then on. Yeah, I also had trouble with this one, and this one it just it came into my mind because I was hyping him before the season, and it just uh, it never materialized. And this was Marlon Mack, um, and I just felt like. When, this is the year that Frank Gore stops producing, and it just didn't happen. Uh, I ended up with Gore on a team simply because somebody dropped him mid-year, which was like, okay, I'll, I'll end up with Frank Gore. I don't mind you know, starting him as my, my flex a few times. And he ended up being very good. 
Um, and and I'm just waiting for like the Marlon Mack hype train to take off. I also kind of hoped that your boy, as you said, Andrew Luck, uh, would play a little bit, and he didn't end up doing that either. So uh, that would have helped Marlon Mack's stock a little bit, I, I imagine. Uh, but he didn't get to play because of Frank Gore. So, so sadly, maybe we have to wait another year for Frank Gore, the, the wheels to fall off of Frank Gore, which, hey, may not happen anytime soon either. Yeah, I don't, he could run for 800 yards like for the next five years. <laughs> Give him a chance, I feel like. Yeah, the Hall of Famer Frank Gore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just don't expect him to get over 1,100 yards. You can't do that. Just, oh, yeah, of course. 1,800 uh, and 1,100. He, He's got the best floor, right? Uh, who is your under hype sleeper of the year? I think I'm going to change this. I have something else written down. I have Adam Thielen written down. Right. But the problem with Thielen, he's been a top five receiver, like in terms of actual football, but he didn't get a lot of touchdowns. And I, I feel like we should have seen his, him coming just because he was, he's always been a good player. He just really hasn't had the opportunity. He's still young. But I'm going to change it to Robbie Anderson. Hmm. Because he's 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 gotten more touchdowns. He's been that big play threat, and I feel like we should have seen this coming too. Just because who else did they have to throw the ball? Right, and and it was funny because he was he was a big name on on our I think one of our uh, uh, sleeper lists you and I did before the season. Uh, his name was in there, right? Because there was nobody else to throw to. Uh, he t- he just took a little while to kind of get acclimated to. You know, a uh, 37-year-old quarterback throwing to him, I guess. I don't know what it was. Um, I kind of threw in for Carson Wentz only because I felt like he was a sleeper this season. But, like, look how far down he was on, on draft lists. And he ended up winning people a bunch of leagues even though he ended up injured late in the season. Um, him or Thielen, I think, are, are the picks. But you're right about Thielen that, like, he's going to end up being a top-five receiver. But he, you know, he, he was just missing a few of those those red zone opportunities. But I think Wentz, you know, we we all slept on, on Carson Wentz this year. Yeah, Wentz is a good pick. He, he definitely went he went way too late. And we should, yeah, we should have seen that coming too because he threw a bunch of passes his rookie year. And now that he's a second-year player, they're, they're going to give him more responsibility. And volume matters in fantasy. It's true, and and they improved the the, the the receiving core and all that. Uh, all right, that's it for fantasy awards. Let's just do a quick rundown. We're gonna we're taping this on a Tuesday before the final, uh, you know, sort of Sunday of the season. So we should go over the coaches that we think will be fired on on next Monday. Um, you know, and there are probably some reports also floating around. So hopefully, when you're listening to this, it, it's it's new and fresh. Um, who you got for who's getting fired uh, next week or resigning or whatever phraseology you want to use? I've seen a couple reports where like it could be in double digits. I don't know if it's that dramatic, but it could be. There's, I mean, I'm just looking at the teams right now. We're going to have a lot of new coaches next season. I think you start with Vance Joseph. Is he is he going to be a one and done? Is he going to be gone this year? He seems he just doesn't seem like he's fit to be a head coach to me. Just how he's handled that quarterback situation, which isn't—I mean, I don't know how you handle that well, but he hasn't. He's figured out a way to make it even worse than it is. The defense has taken a step back, a minor step back, but it's still enough of a step back. And the offense just looks like a mess. So I think I think Elway thinks about moving on after a year. That's interesting. He wasn't on my list, um, uh, I, but but I could see John Elway thinking that way. I don't think that's out of the question, but I, 
I think about it from the perspective of if I'm, you know, an owner or a GM, do I do I pull the you know pull the trigger as it were? Um, and I say no on Vance Joseph. I, I think they give him one more year. But yes, you're absolutely right. That team's a mess. Maybe you blow it up and start all over again and hope hope for a, you know a Sean McVay like situation. So then moving on from there, Bill O'Brien's the next fifty fifty guy. Deshaun Watson has come out and tweeted support for Bill O'Brien, but it seems like the Texans are ready to move on. I, I I think that's a mistake. I think we should just keep keep him together with Watson. We saw what they did earlier this year. Just keep that together. See what happens next year. See what happens when he has a healthy Watson, Watt, Whitney, Merciless, and Clowney. I, I think he's never really had a chance to play with a good quarterback or coach with a good quarterback and a healthy defense. And I think he deserves that chance. He's gotten to them, gotten them to the playoffs a couple times. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, keep him with Watson and make him a midseason firing. If, if all goes badly next year for the Texans, but because you know, how can you give the guy, you know, uh, the, the, you know, sort of take him out of his job when he was coaching a team that was like running with, third and fourth string quarterbacks for much of the season after after Watson went down. So I don't think that's that's fair, but hey, you know, the, the NFL, sometimes they, they think, you know, uh, the record uh, has to, ha- you know, uh, they have to do it for the fans or they have to do it because they had a 4-11 or 4-12 season. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so oh, the uh, other, the ones that are kind of obvious, I think Bruce Arians, I think we all expect him to be gone. Yes. Chuck Pagano should be gone. Yes. Marvin Lewis should be gone. Yes. And then John Fox. I think those are the four obvious ones, and then obviously the Giants have to have to hire a new coach. Right, and that'll be Josh McDaniels. Hopefully, that's my that's my take. I just spent about half an hour on on uh, Christmas Eve uh, uh, yelling about Josh McDaniels to the Giants for a while, but uh, you know we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the the other guy I had in my list as a big question mark, and I think it's a no, is Dirk Cotter. But I I think mm-hmm. you're right. The Bucks are playing better, um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't cut him yet. Yeah, this is this is only his second season. I think he, the way Jameis has played of late, I think maybe he's des- he deserves another year. I don't think Bucks fans want to hear that. I think they're done with him. And then I'll bring up one more name, and that's Mike Malarkey. Because the Titans have been they they have a decent record, but I think we've been saying this all year. They don't look as good as the record says they 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 do. And Marcus Mariota has obviously taken a step back. And that's what that's the main thing this front office has to worry about is putting pieces around him, putting the offense around him to succeed. You you need Mario to, to succeed. Yeah, and it, it's one of those situations like that happens in the NBA sometimes where you have a team that's like, you know, good, not great. I'm thinking of like the Warriors, and I, I the Titans are certainly not the Warriors, uh, but you know, sort of taking the Mark Jackson for Steve Kerr mm-hmm. situation and putting it, applying it to the NFL, where you have a team that on paper should be better and should have taken the step forward that you hoped that they would take. And even if they do make the playoffs, you're absolutely right. Uh, I would, I would, I would, I would uh, pull them. I would say no, get them out. Um, I think the Titans should be better. And, you know, maybe with a better head, uh, you know, a, a, a new fresh head coach, you end up with a few more wins. I I don't think there's a Sean McVay out there, but I think you could see a Rams like turnaround for the Titans. Cause I think they are a talented team. They have good running backs. They have a good offensive line. Their receivers, aren't great but I think I think they're not playing as well as they should they have Corey Davis Eric Decker Delaney Walker I think there's pieces there to put together a top 10 offense and 
they're not a top 10 offense or anything close to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a young offensive minded coach and he gets the most out of Mariota next year. And he looks like a pro bowl. Yeah, no, I, I, that's not out of question at all. All right. Well, we'll see if that happens next Monday, which is I think new year's day, right? So, uh, uh that should be a very interesting, uh, Monday after the final day. Yeah. Some of those coaches are going to get a head start on drowning their sorrows. Uh, well, we'll see if it happens next week. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for listening, and, and uh, we'll see you after.